Good evening, and welcome to Wednesday night Bible study at Pitts Baptist Church. Guess what? I'm not Pastor Scott. He has the night off tonight. I'm Cordell Compton. I'm one of the community group co-leaders. I work with the senior ministry, and I'm filling in tonight. So with that said, Get your copy of God's Word, tap on your application, open that, open up your tablet, and we'll read some scripture. A few verses in Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, 
my place of safety. He is my God, and him I trust. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors by night, nor of the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word these few moments. Speak to our hearts. Give us words of comfort. Give us words of wisdom. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Let me ask you a question tonight, or maybe two questions. Where do you turn for help? Another way to ask that is to whom do you turn for help? As you've probably observed by looking at news and listening to different media, the world right now is a pretty scary, unsettling place to live. First off, we're dealing with the coronavirus issue, which in turn has affected our economy, our unemployment levels. There is social unrest in the country. And globally, there are wars and conflicts. You know, I was born in the Truman administration. And some of you younger folks may not even realize or know who that is. He was our 33rd president. I was born right after World War II and before the Korean conflict got started. And I got to thinking, wars, rumors of wars, how long has there been conflict in the world? Well, historians and scholars have estimated in the past 3,400 or so years, there have been 268 years of peace. 268 years of peace. If you do the math, that works out to less than 8%. So somewhere globally in the world, maybe many places in the world, there's been some type of war conflict like that. So when there are these issues going on, where do people turn for help and comfort? Or to whom do they turn for help and comfort? Unfortunately, sometimes they turn to false teachers, false religions. Sometimes there are substance abuses, 
food addictions, feel-good philosophies, and self-help material. Visit any bookstore in person or online and you will see hundreds and hundreds of self-help books. Do these steps and it will make you better. But of those lists that people get into, the self-help, the false religions, the false teachers, what is missing from that list? People are trying to fill a void in their life that only Jesus can fill, and only he can fill that in their lives. Now, we might think, how long has, like I said, how long has some of these issues been going on? If we look at Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 31, Paul says, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Think of that, inventors of evil, thinking ways of creating evil and havoc. Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. He wrote, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He actually wrote two letters. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he wrote these verses. Timothy was a young pastor, young in the sense that he was probably in his 30s as Jewish culture categorized people. And Paul wrote these words to him, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, There's that word again. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Let me read that one again. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 tells us, We're strangers, we're sojourners in this world, we're pilgrims, we're passing through. Yes, we live here, we have such and such an address down the street, but this is not our home. This is not our ultimate home. So with all that evil that Paul talked about and the 
situations that we see, what is the cause of all that? Where does that come from? Jesus was talking and John captured some words in chapter 10 of John. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's what Jesus did for each of us that have him as our Lord and Savior. Again, turning to the Apostle Paul in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 28. And I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. That version takes the original Greek and expands it. It doesn't mistranslate or it doesn't um, change the meaning, but it gives an expansion of what it actually means in the original. If you've ever worked with languages, you know that it's difficult to translate things word for word. Romans 8.28 says, We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. So we can take comfort in when we see all of these issues, wars, rumors of war, problems, we know that that is part of God's plan. It's not just happening. It's not things spinning out of control. It's part of God's plan for good and to those who love God. So how can we protect ourselves? How can we guard ourselves about being caught up in some of these things? Don't be misled and don't be deceived is the second point I would share with you. The verse, the verses from Psalms 1 that we read a while ago, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. My place of safety, he is my God, and I trust in him. Hang on to that word trust. We'll be coming back to that in a few minutes. But when it says in verse 2, he alone is my refuge, in the original, that means a place of hope, a shelter, a place of trust. It's always helpful to know the real from the false. Some years ago when I was employed, I had the privilege of attending a, an accounting seminar and the senior agent in charge of the Secret Service out of the Phoenix office made a presentation about counterfeit money 
And he brought examples of that to the group and passed it out. And he said, by the way, I want all of that back when I leave here. Some of them you could look at. And, you know, I am no artist, but I could have done better than some of them. But what struck me most was some of them I looked, I picked up as they were passed from person to person. I didn't look at the bill. I felt of it, and I could tell by the feel that it was not genuine. When the Secret Service trains its agents to guard our currency, they examine and drill into them the need to know the genuine. They know exactly what each bill has, the safety features, how it feels, how it looks so that when they find a counterfeit, they know that that is not the real thing. When it comes to scripture, we need to be like the Bereans that are mentioned in Acts chapter 17. And the people of Berea in verse 11 were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. In other words, they were searching the scriptures that they had, you could almost say, to see if Paul and Silas was telling it like it is. They were searching to make sure they were telling the truth. Paul goes on to say in Romans 16, talking about <clears throat> false teachers and things of that nature, he says in verse 17 of chapter 16, and now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Verse 18, such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. I don't know if you've ever run into someone or people like that. It's very difficult to detect at first sometimes. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But what does Paul say? Stay away from them. Run the other way. Leave them alone. I mentioned a while ago as we were reading Psalm 91, that word trust. That's point number three to deal with these issues that we see around us. Trust in the Lord. A familiar chapter to many of us, we probably learned of some of those verses from Sunday school years ago. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands 
in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let royalty and loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep in your heart. Then you will find favor both with God and people. You will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. That word trust in the original can be translated as put your confidence in, put your hope in. They tell a story about a missionary who went overseas to minister to a particular group of people and his goal and mission was to translate the Bible into that language which had never been done before. So he set out and began to work his way through some of the New Testament and for the most part it worked out pretty well but then he came to that word trust and that really stumped him and he thought and thought of how to translate from the original uh, Greek and Hebrew into maybe English and then to their language finally he just had to say I'm, I'm I can't do it I'm just going to have to take a break so one evening after working all day he was sitting outside his little kind of hut-like house. He was sitting on a chair, and in front of him was like a hitching post rail, so he leaned back in his chair and propped his feet up on that rail. He was watching the sun go down, listening to the sound of the animals in the area, and suddenly it hit him. He said, I'm sitting on this chair. I have my whole weight on these legs of this chair. I'm trusting in that chair to hold me up. So what he did was translated the word trust in that native language as put your whole weight on God. Folks, that's what we can do each day. We can put our whole weight on God's word, knowing that it's going to hold us up. The next point I'd like to share with you is time is short. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking about the Lord's return. Now, ever since I was about as tall as this lectern here, I've heard people, pastors, leaders say, the Lord is coming soon. He's coming soon. And it hasn't happened yet. All that means to me is we're that much closer to his return. We have to, as Christians, sow the seed 
of God's word. We have to speak the word because, as you probably know, there are people in your family, your acquaintance, your co-workers that don't know Jesus as their personal savior. Remember the story of the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4 is one of the passages where that is. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered it across the field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered on the hot sun. Since it did not have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. But still other seed fell on fertile soil. They sprouted, grew, and produced a crop. That was 30, 60, and 100-fold much as has been planted. We may not always see that crop harvested, but never pass up an opportunity to share God's word. You may be the third or the fifth or the tenth person that that person has heard sharing the gospel. And somehow, sharing that word through the Holy Spirit will get into them and cause them to come to Jesus. Maybe you're a believer for a long time, maybe a short time. Have you grown cold in your relationship with God? Are you as close to him as you used to be? If you are, that's great. But if not, renew that relationship. Press into him. Draw close to him. And maybe somebody listening tonight, you're not quite sure what we're talking about. You don't have Jesus in your life. You've heard about him, maybe, but you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to come into your life. Paul tells a lot of passages in Romans. He tells us everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Romans 5, 8, and I've studied and read and taught this passage for years, and it's always amazing to me. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Imagine that. When I was a little mean, buzz-headed kid before I became a Christian, Jesus died for my sins. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God, however, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And he says in, ver in chapter 10 of Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be, not could be, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So if you're a Christian and you've gotten cold and gotten scared and worried about things around you, press into God. Put your whole weight on God's word. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, ask him into your life. Years ago, I grew up in a church and we sang hymns much like we do here at Pitts Baptist and other churches. This is not the, a hymnal that I had, but it's one very much like it. And don't worry, you don't have to turn your sound down. You don't have to disconnect the broadcast. I'm not going to sing. I just want to remind you of one verse and the chorus of a song that fits in, I believe, with tonight's lesson. In this version, number 317, will your anchor hold? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor, says the chorus, that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Where is your anchor? Is it on shifting sand or is it firmly attached and anchored and grounded in God's word? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to study your word tonight, to share your word. Speak to our hearts, Father. Remind us that no matter how difficult and scary and unsettling things are, you are in control because you have a plan. We thank you for that. We thank you for your peace, for your comfort. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.